Okay, good morning, everyone. Morning. Doing really well on time today, and I actually have a pretty short message as far as I know today. Um, okay, so uh, let's jump right into it. Um, I'm excited about today's message, I really am. Um, it's a very pointed and poignant message that I think can help a lot of folks. Uh, I know it sure has helped me this week. Last week I said, there's Bruce, hi Bruce. Uh, last week I talked, I alluded to really quickly something I'd kind of been studying and it's this. The gospel presentation, the good news of Jesus Christ can be broken down and it can be told in three gardens. I touched on that, but I did a little more research today and it was really neat. Um, to get a little more specific, it can actually be told in three gardens and three trees. Now, here's what I mean. For the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the garden was Eden and the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. So you had, you had, a, you had a garden and a tree. And then the sacrifice for man, you had the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross of Christ, where they say Jesus was crucified on a tree. And the third garden, which completes the story, is the Garden of God, also known as heaven, and the tree of life that's in the middle of the middle of the garden. It's a story of three gardens. And I can't get away from it the last few weeks. I can't. Notice there's three, by the way. A trinity, if you will. Um, now, we think that gardens are small little things with tomatoes over here and all this, but let me show you a couple pictures, artist renditions, one of them. This is like more of an accurate thing. The garden had four rivers flowing through it. It had trees. It had life. It was a place to habitate. Next place please. Um, that's an actual picture somewhere, but that gives you a better idea. It's just life abundance. Next, please. One more. See, and maybe even waterfalls. Ah, see, I'm a water guy. I am. Like, I lived out in Colorado, and that was nice, but you couldn't find a lake out there to fish. And if you did, it was man-made, and everybody was arm-to-arm fishing. I was like, this stinks from the Adirondacks, man. Give me a little bubbling stream and a, and a brown trout or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I just, I love water, and it's kind of nice, neat to know that the garden had rivers flowing out of it and i could speculate to where the garden of eden is and they can say that you know google maps is now mapping everything and all this but you know what here's the thing uh, where do i want to say with this i'll save that for the end don't think that the garden was paradise because it actually wasn't the more i studied this i'm not going to give this to you today the garden wasn't actually meant to be perfection the garden was meant to be moving toward glory and toward perfection the garden was not a place of rest, specifically, because there was work. There was work in the garden. Adam had a job, and he, he had a job, and he rested, and a job, and he rested. So don't think we, we blew heaven on earth. I don't believe that was the case. I believe God's plan was growing into glory, you know, raising the human race as, I don't know, like we raise our kids, get it? And if you realize that, then you'll realize a couple other things about the Garden of Eden. You'll realize that that tree that they weren't supposed to eat from was not always going to be forbidden, most likely. They were going to grow into the ability to eat from that fruit, the, the, the fruit of the tree. People look at big, mean God. Why'd he put that in the garden if they weren't supposed to eat it? Number one, love can only be seen. Listen to me, this is deep. Real love is only love when you have a viable equal other choice in other words when i met my wife i can either sacrifice and grow and love you or i can continue to love and sacrifice and grow to love me and both of those are pretty appealing but i will sacrifice and i'll put on the monkey suit in front of everybody we love and i will marry you get it 
That's how you know it's love. Because there's loving myself, pretty enticing option, or loving her. And in the garden, you had two choices, Adam and Eve. You listen, learn, and grow from me, specifically, exclusively, or you can go your own way. Fleetwood Mac said it years ago. <laughs> I'm the right guy for this crowd, because most guys my age wouldn't know that. Uh, no, really, and that's it. And she goes, I'm going to go my own way. So here we go, guys. I want to talk about something awesome. Now, before we do this, She's on the same wavelength. Sometimes we do this in church. I want you to just breathe in in a second. Take a deep, big, deep breath, and I want you to blow downward in a second. So one, two, three, breathe in, and breathe out. Let's do it one more time. Breathe in, breathe out. Now, the reason I know that's important is because the Holy Spirit is called Ruach. He's called breath. He's called wind. Can we look at 3-8, please, the next slide? It's unclear. Do you have it on clear? Up top right, it says clear. Otherwise, I wouldn't be showing just the picture. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is after they had gone their own way and said, nah, I don't need you to teach me good and evil. I'll learn good and evil by eating this fruit. Get it? I'm going to reframe a lot of things today. Be open. Be open because there's a lot we can learn here. So he's walking in the garden. Now I have a question for you. Listen to me. This is challenging. It'll take you two minutes on a Google search with people smarter than me to realize there is a big dispute about what they're talking about here. Some people say that the, it was the Lord God in a cloud because the cool of the day, that word cool is actually better translated in Hebrew as wind. So in the wind of the day. So they think maybe wind appeared and that's how Adam and Eve knew. <gasps> the Lord's coming. Hide. You get it? But I have another theory. And it's equally as shared among people smarter than me. We have a theory that this is a Christophany, also known as a theophany. What's that mean? A pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Read it again, Donna. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Then they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, because here's the thing. He, Jesus shows up to Joshua and says, and he, Joshua goes, oh, you, friend or, you for us or against us? Neither. I'm the king of the Lord's army. By the way, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. The reason we know that's not an angel is because angels don't demand sacrifice or, or worship. The, the, the garden, the, 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 the bush is on fire. <laughs> Moses, come here. Who are you, Lord? Ichyak, Asher, Ichyak. Take your sandals off, Moses. You're in holy ground. See, because it seems that the word of God, who's the word of God, Bruce? Well, what's the word of God? The speaking. The word of God. And you'll see, I don't have it here, Dave. Stay right here, Dave. But he says, where are you? So there's speaking. So who might do the speaking? The word of God. Doesn't that reframe everything? that it might have been Yeshua walking through the garden? Can you imagine? <laughs> if he showed up to Joshua, he shows up to Abraham at one time, tells him something. I gave you three examples of Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. How about, who is the fourth person in uh, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego and the Son of God, right? There's four. Could it be Yeshua in here? Speaking for the Trinity? 
You work that out, dude. I'm not here to spoon feed you. Nor will you find something in the manual handbook, blah, blah, blah. Your spirituality and your faith is your own. So you go work that out. But I just give you evidence. I don't really see it. I don't see the cloud evidence there personally from my studies. I don't see it. But some people do. So doesn't that say a total different experience in the garden? Donna, if Jesus is walking around with you in the Garden of Eden, is that not a different place than we imagined before? Yeah, cool, right? Because none of those pictures had Jesus in it, did they? <laughs> Go find me a picture of the Garden of Eden with Jesus walking by. Right? Rose likes it. Now, I'm not saying I'm right, guys. It's just a theory. Anyway, so the stage is set, but I want to do something for you and me who um, are the more... Well, this is what's really... Dave, can you get that song going for us? Dave's going to play you a song, and we're going to look at the lyrics. And this is going to set the stage of my message today. It's beautiful. But just, just take the song in as he plays it. Thank you. 
be mine In my dying days A light in my heart's waning A voice calling like thunder through the dust When lifted to his lips The cup of breaking The father turns away from his own son Death, the earth was shaking from its spinning A hand reached out to save me from the waves And my stone heart was pulled out of my body And by grace a garden grew up in its place And by grace a garden grew Obviously, uh, I relate to God in, through music in a lot of ways. And what that does for me, can, can you get this one too? They won't be able to see me. Um, what that, thank you. What that does for me is it reminds me of my point today. It's this. Intimacy with God. That's the Garden of Eden. Do you know where your home is now? Let me just, I know we've talked about this before and touched on it, but your home now is wherever God is. Do you understand that? Some will argue that heaven will come to earth, that we go to heaven. Some people think it's a Disney princess castle in the sky. Izzy actually says nowadays, a little levity, she goes, I know where heaven is. It's behind a certain cloud. And I said, well, which cloud? She's like, ha ha, and then just runs away. <laughs> you know what? I don't care, dude. You know where my home is? Next to my dad. My dad in heaven. And um, that's the garden. The, the picture of um, God and man once walked beneath the pines. What a beautiful, what a beautiful song. So now here's what I'm going to do. If we can sit down our previous thoughts and see the garden through that lens, then we can learn a lot about our current walks with God. Now, first things first, I've got four scriptures, four slides I want to show here that we can burn through. Can we see the first one, please? No, we're saying, here, there you go. So this is what happens. This is when he's doling out. Doling out the, the discipline. Let's realize it's discipline for the children. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, to dust you will return. Then Adam named his wife. Did you know Eve didn't have a name until they got booted? Adam named his wife Eve after that because she'd become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. We've got three more. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Time out. Show that to my Jewish friend in college. And she was speechless. Because why is he using a plural? And you know what's funny too? In the Hebrew, he's not using... Hebrew has singular, duality, but it has tri-nouns and verbs too. And what he said is here... The man has now become like one of us three, is what that voice said. Did you know that? And, of course, this is right out of the Torah, the Jewish Bible, and she had no answer for that because they believe that that's God the Father. Like us three. He must not be allowed to reach his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. 
After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden a uh, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth the garden way of the tree life. Hang on. Cherubim. One of the highest choirs of quote-unquote angels. Some people won't even classify him as, a, as an angel. Satan, Lucifer, was a cherub. Cherub have four faces. Four wings. They're creatures. They're not people-looking things. Dude, just do the research. What does Lucifer look like? Not a human by his actual nature because they say he looks like this four-headed beast, four-faced beast. Go look it up. But that's what we're talking about. The flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. I think, what do we got? One more, David? That was three, right? And Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth the man. Okay, time out. I did all that on reason. So there we go. There's the end of the story of the garden, right? Um... Bruce, we were removed from the garden. We were not removed from God. We look at it like this. Well, he banished us. He cast us out and he doesn't want us, right? We look at it as though God rejected us. And that is not the case. Number one, understand something. Can we go back one slide, please? I hate to do this to you. I'm sorry. Well, it's the one where he says he must not be able to eat of the garden or of the tree of life, he says, lest he live forever. You able to do that? If not, no big deal. I'm telling you the truth. You just read it. That's fine. Leave it there. He said, they become like one of us. They must not be able to tree eat from the tree. Guys, look at me, right? Don't remember when it says that? He must not be able to eat from the tree. You want to know why, Donna? Here's why. We were fallen in that moment because we brought sin into the world, right? And if we then ate from the tree of life... We would live forever in that state. You get it? So now we're, we're broken. Now the four dimensions we occupy and the other six are separated, ripped apart, hence them being naked, right? And he says, dude, if they eat from the, guard, if, if the tree of life now, they will forever be this way and they can't be with me. Guard that tree. I want my kids back. Put a flaming sword there, make no mistake, and put the most powerful creature there too. Do you understand? Protection, dude. It's the same reason I don't hand my kids knives or put them on my motorcycle. Well, daddy's so mean. No, I'm really not. Watching your kids, giving them discipline, and not letting them run wild is a good parent. Not letting us, the fallen, eat and become eternal in the fallen state is the only, the best thing he could have done for us. But Bruce, we've taken it as rejection. And other people have perverted this and written crappy books about it. Oh, angry God booted them away and rejected them. This is not rejection of God. This is removal and protection. Do you understand that? Now, the reason I can tell you that is because, go to the one next slide, the fourth one, where Eve, Eve has a kid, right? And what does she say? With the help of the Lord, I brought forth the man. Bruce, don't we have this idea that once we left the garden, there was this thing, and God no longer was with them? She gives him glory. Does that look like a bitter human being that got her butt paddled by God? I'm reframing this story, and sometimes God shows me stuff that I'm like, what in the world? Because entire, this is the first I'm hearing this. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And I'm not I'm like big up in myself, but like, I have framed this picture wrong. I truly have. I'm like, oh, the garden, I want to go back to the, I don't want to go back to the garden now. Because I see it for what it was. It was a training ground. It was, it was good at the time. I got to go back to my God, not the garden. Do you get it? 
oh my gosh, that's big preacher type of stuff right there. Get the guy on the piano going, and then you, you send, share it on Facebook, right? Furtick in his skinny jeans, something like that. You know what I'm talking about. My home is where my father is, right? And again, it looks as though God never actually left Eve. Because she, much like Brittany, gives birth and says, he helped me through this. Now, does she, does she mean literally? Probably, because no one had given birth before. So I can see Father God or, ready? Or Yeshua, Jesus, was probably sitting there in the delivery room. Get it? <laughs> There's two people, so that's a funny joke. There's two people on the planet at the time. <laughs> How are they going to know what's happening? Father God probably walked right, right with him. Push, push, Eve. It's going to hurt. Remember we talked about that? Just push. You're, you're going to be fine. Adam, go get some fig leaves or something. or something. Right? It's a whole other story, though, isn't it? It's not about abandonment or rejection. And this is such a big deal. We were not removed from God. Make no mistake, guys. If Listen, I had a bit of a... I was a little uh, nervous about some of the things I said last week. Make no mistake. We serve a holy God, okay? He is, if you want to look at it this way, He's light. And we are darkness. And if you don't believe that, it's just reality. We're born in darkness. And what can the light have to do with darkness? Nothing. Guys, people who are scientific-minded, just look at physics. It teaches you God. There's either light or darkness. And when we chose darkness, we could no longer be with the light. Get it? And in fact, what happens to darkness when light shines? It's a good thing for Jake. It's destroyed, essentially. You can talk to me about the presence of photons and things like this. Wonder why we're not allowed in God's presence with our fallen state? Because we'd be destroyed. You get it? So we've had this idea that daddy's mad at us. We can't come near him. No, daddy's fire and lightning, dude. And with your fallen body, you don't stand a chance. You don't believe me? Go look at one of his friends, God's friends, who says, show me your glory. And he says, oh, you can't look upon me. You can't. Um, and I'll show you the back of my train, is it? The train of his garment, which, of course, speaks of royalty. You can't, you can't be near me. Like, I'm not even, that's just the way it is. What I'm made of and what you're made of, incompatible. There needs to be something in between. Get it? We have not been abandoned. We've not been abandoned. So let me kick, kick it into gear here. We ended up with the idea that when we sin, God casts out or withdraws. And I want to ask you today if that's the truth or not. I want to ask you if that's your dad, your husband, your preacher, your priest, your mom, your uncle, your grandma, or if it's God. That's what I want to ask you today. If we, when we sin, God casts out or withdraws. Number one, this perversion of this story gave us some of the weapon to build our religion and our churches and our buildings and our stained glass windows to say that. But where does it say that in the Bible? Now here's what I want to say. I want to show you. David, David, the man after God's own heart, you know this story, creates an atrocity. He covets. He commits adultery. He lies. And he destroys one of God's little boys. There's a sin, a sin, sin. The good one. That's from Friday, by the way. There's a sin above, above. That it, you know, Right? So, according to our ideas, what does God do? Give me that crown. You're done. Out. 
banished, to quote Romeo and Juliet. What does he do instead? What does he really do? He sends his representative to repair the breach, doesn't he? Are you following me, people? This is your life. Don't you get it? God, God removes from sin. No, he doesn't. God runs right at sin. Don't lie. He runs right at sin to repair it. And he says to David, do what needs doing because there's something between us. Bruce, does that make sense? There's something between you and me, David. Get rid of it. And you know what to do. What do I do, God? I face it. That's what I do. But maybe I've quenched the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's departed from me. Where are you getting this? Because it seems to me, Bruce, that all he wants us to do is turn and face it. I've done this. I am that man. Okay. Repair the breach between us. Repair that. Because guess what? What did I say in the beginning? Intimacy. Right? Y'all aren't with me today. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's deep. Maybe it's profound. Or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not right. I don't know. But I see it all the time. Let me see some other examples here where God went running right at sin to repair things for intimacy. Oh, I don't know. Jesus coming to earth, flying down into this bloody, muddy, phlegmy existence that we live. He did not go, ooh, I can't be, y'all, ooh, this, this is white, I can't be. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. I can't get the stains on this. He goes like this, flies into the center of it. There's a book I'm starting to read um, called The Day They Crucified Me. And it's told first person picture of that thing. It's, it's awesome. In the garden, in the garden, the cup comes to him and he sees all the sin and brokenness. The things we do to each other. Think of the things that we do to each other. And he sees it in the cup. And he says, Lord, if, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And then the cup appears again, but this time it's not this, just the cup of the sins of the Hebrew people. It's the cup of the sins and inequities of all people, the Gentiles. And he sees the real depravity, the stuff people get put in jail for, and the stuff that happens to kids on this planet. It's ugly, guys. And he starts to sweat. And it turns to blood. And you ready for this one? And he says, Lord, if there's any other way. The cup appears again, and he sees the sin and inequity of even the creatures that fell. Go look that one up. But what if he sees the sin of even the angels that rebelled and fell? Right? Oh, the things they've influenced us to do and all this. And that's the cup of breaking that he takes. Jesus ran right at sin, drew his sword, and killed it on behalf of all of us. Do you get that? So we think, well, when I sin, God withdraws. And I might be, listen to me, I might be wrong, dude. And maybe this is going to catch up to me and y'all can hire somebody else. But I don't run from God when I sin. I, do I, you're supposed to feel guilty. No, I do. I, I, know, well, I know when things are wrong, but I don't turn from him. I don't. I say, God, you saw that. You saw that, God. It sucks. I'm sorry. Can you help me move in that, in that direction? Do you understand what I'm saying? If I say something mean, I don't hide from him. 
Or if I have a thought that I linger on that I shouldn't linger on or something like that, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to move away from you, God. I'm always like this. Did you see that? Man, I have a problem with that. You know that? And that's what I see in David. I see this in David. This is me, man. But if we believe the lie that we were booted from the garden because God has had enough and he doesn't want it to be with us anymore, that's what you'll do when you fail and fall. And one of these days, mark my words, you'll fail, you'll fall, and you won't get up again. You'll make the choice to just lay there. And I'll see you in 40 years when you realize that was a dumb move. Sorry, guys. I've been doing this for a long time, and that's what I realize. And God is merciful. He'll bring you back. But the plan is to continue to grow in intimacy with God. If someone told you something is allowed to come between you and God, they lied to you. Because I am convinced that no death, no famine, no power, principality, authority will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Sounds too easy, AJ. Well, it wasn't easy for him, so move along. Now, let me ask you this. Because I tend to think nature re reflects God in our own relationships. Isn't intimacy with your spouse or your kids, whatever intimate relationship you have, isn't intimacy this? When they're sinning and they're screwing up, but you're still there. Get it? You don't run away. Imagine that couple has a fight on their honeymoon. Well, we're done. See ya. We'll, we'll meet back at the house and split things up. See ya. No. Actual intimacy is, even when the person hurts you, you're there. And you don't withdraw. Man, I have to teach that all the time and I got to work on it in my own marriage. When she hurts me, she lets me down, whatever, I don't go withdraw. Well, then why do we project that onto God? Why do we build entire religious systems about this? Well, you want me to dole out how many prayers you need to say to get back in with God? Say three of these, two of these, and five of those. What are you talking about? First off, God is near. He's right here. He's very aware of your sin. Are you? And what did I say last week? I'm not the guy that stares at your stuff. I, I don't care. Because upstream is a heart posture that created that. You get it? Yes, you understand that? So we're sitting there, we think, oh, I did this. I, I got to censor myself a little bit here. Most of the time that we have patterns that are sinful outside of what God said is true, right, and best is when we're going to something, when, we, when we, we're going to something that's off for something good. In other words, we're going to the wrong thing for something, but the need isn't necessarily bad. In other words, if you've been with or gotten with someone, you know, that ended up what was not God's will for you and, and, and blah, 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 you going to that person was not necessarily a bad thing. You were just going to the wrong source for it. Or sin, let's say greed. You're going to money for something good. You want it to protect you. You just went to the wrong place. You get it? And so why would I judge you? If you're greedy, which is actually a sin we don't talk about in church, but Jesus talks about more than any other sin, by the way, if you're greedy, though, I'm not going to judge the greed that manifests in not giving and selfishness and all this. I'm going to judge up here where you're scared and you're looking for security. Come on, anybody? Okay, you do speak common sense? And Jesus is going, no, no, listen, listen. I can beat you down here, but why? It's here, man. And I'm going to teach you that I can be your strength and your security. You get it? Uphill of every, upstream of every single sin is a heart, a child's heart, that is going somewhere off for something good. You get it? Stop thinking in terms of black and white. It's not that way. We're all good and all bad. 
twisted and being worked on by the Lord our God. But if you think that God withdraws because of this down here, you're missing the fact. Stay with me, guys. Come on. It's the third quarter. You're missing the fact that he's working on you here, and that's where his focus is. Right? Don't we do that with our kids? I told you, Alex, uh, he doesn't... He told me like a half-truth the other day. And I could have been... You didn't tell me the truth. But I just had this sense inside of me. It was here. What motivated you to tell me a half-truth? And so you know what I did? I said this. Buddy, are we not best friends? And he's like, yeah, we are, Daddy. I said, okay, so there's nothing to fear. He might have been afraid of the consequences. But you're safe here. There may have been embarrassment over what you did or guilt. And we got to learn to process through that because you're going to stumble. So I did the work up here. I'm not super dad, guys. I don't know what I'm doing. But I had a feeling if I just went, don't do that. What is that going to teach him? That's not how God deals with us, is it? God deals in disciplines for the most part. I'm not going to let up. If you guys get tired or whatever, this message is going to go out and it's going to be there in infamy, infamy because we're going to talk about shame now. And there are people who are going to need to know about shame. So I don't care if you want to take a nap or if you have to leave early. I'm going to push through this. We have this idea that God gave up on us and cast us away because we're bad. And we believe that now as well as back then. Worse than that, though, is this. Can we look at the next slide? It's slide uh, 3, 8 through 11. Right here. So the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. I showed you this before. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Again, it sounds like a voice. And he answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Let's leave it there. And you know what happened after that fall? When we had a wrong idea about God? Shame entered the world. Shame. A guy named Ed Welch, professor and the author of Shame Interrupted, points out the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is this. I did something bad. And that, all that needs is justification and forgiveness. Shame's message is this. I am bad. And I can see shame show up here. Shame shows up. And it's kind of embodied by the nakedness. I'm ashamed. I did wrong, therefore I must be wrong. And if you're not careful, huh, time out. Everyone in here is affected by shame. But I want to create a case right now that shame is not of God. Some people who love God have shamed you and given you shame, but I don't think shame was of God. I believe shame was of the fall. I'm going to show you this. Do we have a slide for Luke, the next slide? In the prodigal father parable, which is how I think, so after he comes to his senses, the prodigal son, quote unquote, and he's out there living wild, the brother accuses him of going to prostitutes and whole night. So he gets up and he goes to his father. And he says, while he's still a long way off, his father saw him, which means he was looking for him. He's filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him his speech, Father, I've sinned against you. There's my guilt. Have heaven and, and, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There's my shame. But the father interrupts the spiel and says to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, ring, and sandals. And the reason I don't think shame is from God is because the prodigal father... now. I told this to Alex yesterday, and I said, Jesus told us this. He goes, what? I said, this is a story Jesus told. And Alex, my six-year-old, had the right posture. Like, oh, like, hearken. Jesus told that parable? And so it's 100%, man. It's 100, right? So does Jesus know the Father? Yes. And he says, this is your Father. 
You've done it. You're guilty. You blew it. Absolutely nobody's saying that. That's not even up for debate. And you acknowledge it, and you come to him, and you're like, well, <laughs> I did wrong. I am wrong. Stop it. And he throws a robe, a ring, and sandals on it, on him. The robe covers the metaphorical nakedness and dirt, doesn't it? And I would have said to you that covered his shame. But actually, you know what covers his shame? The ring covers his shame. Here's why. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's his shame. I'm not your son. Who? Okay. Guilt says, I did bad. Shame says, I am bad. Shame tries to tell you who you are. And so he says to his father, I'm not your son. That's who I am. And the ring had his official signet on him. And he goes, you're wrong. Here's who you are. The ring covered his shame, not the robe. Do you get it? Because you're like, I'm, I'm the bad son. Boom, you're my son. Or I'm no longer your son. I'm, I'm, I'm this rebellious person. Don't take that identity. Here's your identity. Bam. Does that make sense? It's fantastic. Two pictures of shame covering. Now I want to talk a bit about... Uh, I want to talk a bit about shame. I've learned some stuff this week I want to share. Shame is a deception. Hear me on that. If you, which you do, resonate with shame over something you did or was done to you, something about you or whatever, whatever you're doing, whatever you're conjuring up about shame, I want you, I want you to hear something that God spoke to me very clearly this week. Somebody responded on there. Awesome. Shame is a lie. Just understand that. Shame is a lie. I've come at this from other angles for years. I've said to you that you are wonderfully and fearfully made. Remember? And we whittled at a pencil, and I said, that's fearfully made, that God made Bonnie just as he wanted her to be. And sometimes that doesn't do anything to your shame. And then I say, before the foundation of the earth, you knew who you were, before he formed you in your mother's womb. I've said all that, right? You've heard that before, right? And you try to wear that identity. But I realized that we can attack it from another gate. We can attack another gate, bros. The shame you feel is a lie. And because it's a lie, we have a right to say no to shame. Yeah, dude, I know. Profound, right? Good preaching, AJ. Thanks, guys. This is fantastic. This is a fantastic word from God. Some people felt that it was just a part of who they were. I feel wrong. I am wrong. What I say is wrong. What I do is wrong. I'm just wrong. I'm wrongy, wrong, wrong, wrong. Stop it. Those feelings, those thoughts, you actually have the power to recognize them and understand and call them out as a lie. Do you understand that? <laughs> Get set free, dude. Get set free. Shame is a lie. And you know what? Here's a little hint for you so don't end up in my office if you don't want to. You're welcome to come in and we can talk about it. But you know there's power when you name something. I'm not going back to demonization or anything like that, but there's power in naming something. For example, ready? I got invited to this thing. I want to go, but I really don't want to go. I just, I don't really want to. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's just my anxiety kicking up. Name it. That's the voice of anxiety. I don't have to be controlled by it anymore. There's power in naming something. That Jesus is Lord. Yeah, that's right. So I'm sitting here, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I want to feel this closeness with God. They're all singing how he loves, which we're going to do in a minute. And, and I want to feel closeness with God. And I think about in the garden. Ooh, and 
you start to feel it, and you're like, nah, but, oh, wait, that's just my shame backing me off. You get it? I see you now. I see what you are. You're not me. You're a lie. You see that, guys? So I can see, I, listen, so we all walk around with some degree of shame. I'm not the husband I want to be, the dad I want to be. I blew it, I blew it when my kids were younger or something. And it sits there and it stays on you and it wants to control you. I'm not as good as that person. I'm not as blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you now you can do this. Oh, I recognize your voice, your shame, and you're a lie. And then you've conquered it. I hope you're getting this today, you guys. This is fantastic. This is huge for some people. Some people uh, have, a, they have a hard time. They hear about God's love, his grace, and acceptance. Um, but it's not me. I've told you before, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved the wretch like them. And it's shame that keeps us far away. Or groups of other people, let's say. Anybody ever take on the label of divorcee? Sickly? What else? What do you got? What, what is your identity? I am this. Well, that's shame, because no, you're not. And so you can attack it with, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made, absolutely, but trust me. This weapon, this nuke that we have now is truth. Truth. That's just shame lying to me. Okay. As I mentioned before, God does not cast away. He seeks to restore. And he doesn't seek to hold down. He seeks to actually lift our head. And that means, and it speaks of him removing the shame that stands between he and I. Do you understand that? Okay, let me wrap up by saying this quote from Francis Chan. Hear me. It's crazy if you think about it. The God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen and pine needles, galaxies and E minor loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what's our typical response? We go to church, we sing songs, and try not to cuss. Heaven help us, right? When the real response, listen, who am I? The right response, run toward intimacy with him, just as you are. Because shame, throw it off. My shame and reproach gladly bear. The reality is Jesus bore your shame on the cross. We just sang it, didn't we? The old rugged cross, I set you up on that one. And actually, we sang another thing that said something about shame. Was it, was it Holy Spirit? So it mentioned it. I, isn't it crazy? I picked these songs random and they just... The reality is shame is between the two of you. Throw it off. Run to intimacy with him just as you are. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, listen, before we finish, I'm literally done. I get it, and I understand I'm up here, and I'm, I'm doing jumping jacks, and I'm going nuts and pretending like this is easy. No, it's not, because you know what? I've got stuff inside of me, and not, I'm just going to call it like it is. I always promised you I would tell you the truth up here, and name names if I need to. Church screwed me up. Church made me think this wasn't true. Church made me think that other people didn't accept me, therefore he didn't. And if I screwed up, if I look like this, if I still smoked, if I this, this, that, you know, then I was rejected from God, and that's garbage. It's what we do to each other. Because the real gospel is this. The worst of us will be sitting in heaven at Jesus' feet. Do you understand that? It's grace. Well, I just don't think, shut up about my behavior, all right? If you care about my heart, I'll hear you. Because that's where God's working and moving and living. Be set free. All of us 
deal with shame. It's a life in the pit of hell, and intimacy with God is the goal. You memorize your Bible. You sit straight with perfect posture. You dress up nice. You do all the crap church asks you to do, and you won't end up any closer to God. It's the truth. But if you can open your heart, your real heart, and understand you are accepted because of Jesus, you will overcome. And you will see a life lived with power and, and, and beauty, and you will see the fruit of the Spirit come out of your life. Do we agree with me? So this week, dude, your only call is this. Talk to him. That's all I want you to do. And you know what? Some of you haven't done this. Get alone and talk out loud to him. It's, it's my greatest weapon. And when I don't feel God, because there's days I don't feel God, and I don't read the Bible every day, and I don't worship every day. I worship more now because the kids love worship, but I don't do these things. So here's what I do when I don't feel God and I don't want to feel God. I go out and I talk to him. That's why I like riding the motorcycle, because people, I'm a lunatic. I was arguing with him the other day. <laughs> now that means obviously arguing with something inside of me, with my, but I've got nothing to do. I've got to focus. I, you know, I, I can't listen to the radio or check my, my Facebook but I gotta be real with them in those moments. So get alone. Guys, this could be one of the greatest things for you. I can picture me and Bill out throwing wood or something like that, just being out there and just going, well, Lord, what a nice day. You know, I'm really concerned about this thing and there it begins. It begins, right? I blew it last night, God. Do you hear the way I talked to her? And you start opening, I'm, I'm tired of this, Father, whatever it may be. Intimacy that you have in your life, whether it be with your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, do you know where that grew? Sharing hard times and sharing yourself. And young people, there's a hint for you. If you want to have intimacy with someone, get practical and get good at sharing yourself with someone you can trust. We're going to sing how he loves. And let it wash over you like water, like accepting Water that's going to break the chains of shame and tell you what shame really is, which is a lie. Do you understand? Let's do this. Thanks for joining us online. Um, stick around for the song if you'd like or tune in next week, I suppose.